0: Wow!
1: What a comeback by the Tampa Bay Lightning! They trail at Detroit three to nothing and three to one entering the third period, but they score four times to beat the Red Wings five to four. Nikita Kucherov ties it and has the game winner. He also has an assist, and Steven Stamkos ties the franchise record with 383 goals, that ties Vinnie LeCavier. We'll tell you how they came back from the dead in Detroit. And the Bucks introduced two of their new free agent players, former UCF receiver Brashad Perriman and 49ers free agent punter Bradley Pinion. You'll hear why they chose the Bucks and what their expectations are for the next season. We've got all that, and South Florida men's basketball team ends their season with a loss at UConn in the AAC tournament on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, you know, if you have a business and you'd like to sponsor this podcast, our advertisers are having great success, and you could too. We've got lots of different options for you to be a sponsor. For details, just contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud.com at tampabay.com we'd love to have you be part of our team okay steve in detroit you know just when you think the lightning can't top themselves and and you know it's not like the red wings are having a great year and they own the red wings as it as the case may be but they got behind in this game three to nothing they came out they they didn't really skate particularly well they gave up a goal in the first minute and a half two minutes and it, it just didn't look like it was going to be their night it looked like detroit okay they've had enough They've had enough losing to, to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they were going to dominate this game. And it was even 3-1 to one entering the third period without much hope or, or you know sort of momentum at all on the Lightning side. But then, as is so typical of this hockey team in this unbelievable year that they've spackled together, it just becomes winning time. They are never out of a game. They are never stopping. They are always pushing forward. And they score four goals in the third period, and two of them by Nikita Kucherov. Steven Stamkos, as I mentioned just a minute ago, ties the franchise record. Kucherov tied the game and then gets the game winner, as it turns out. And they wind up winning 5-4 in a game that, Steve, they had no business winning this game.
0: Absolutely not. They, they looked, uh, I don't want to say lifeless early, because I mean, they, were, they were getting some shots of it. But, but they, were definitely, flat. Yeah, they were definitely flat. Um, Detroit had some jump to their game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and look. Let's face it too. Detroit's not a great team, but
1: no, they're not. They're
0: not. they were at home. They want to stop that 14 game winning streak that the Lightning have against them. They came out with some jump. They got some goals early in the first period. They get the, the third goal in the second period. Up three nothing. You just felt like, well, maybe this isn't the Lightning's night. I mean, you know, you're bound to have those every once in a while. You're on the road. You had a couple of days off. You came in a little flat, and then you know it's just incredible how they can turn it on. And I was watching some of the game without the sound on. I just had it on. And you could mm-hmm. just see how hard they were skating as mm-hmm. the game got, as the game wore on and kept going that you just, then all of a sudden you were like, they're going to win this because they just, they had fire to their game. And like I said, I, a lot of it I had down with, without the sound. So you're not getting the announcers. You're just watching it. And you're just seeing how different they were skating in the third period compared to the first period.
1: Right. Right. And no, they turned it everybody on. Everybody was. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it, it it
1: that's the thing. It's like you know when you think about some of the great players that they have on this team and the great years they're having. I mean, led by Nikita Kucherov, who just keeps having these these multi-point games. Um, you know, two goals again against Detroit and an assist. And it, you know, he had two assists. He had, had four-point Or he had two 4.9. I'm sorry. Yeah, four-point night. And you know, he's. I, I don't know how many of these. Four well, that's five a seventeenth
0: three three or more point night this season.
1: Seventeen. I mean that's unbelievable, and that's frankly that's how you lead the NHL in scoring as he has, and it's always been a question of like who's going to have more points, the Lightning or Nikita Kucherov. But and he comes up big in the biggest moments too. These are not you know sort of garbage goals. I mean these are these these are game winners. These are tying the game and their goal scorers goals. And and if he's not Steve, if he's not the MVP, I mean just listen to this. He recorded his 115th point with a four night, four point nine on Thursday. He's the first to do that since Sid Crosby in 2006-07. That's 12 unbelievable. Twelve years. Twelve years. And
0: that, and he scored and, 120 that year, so Coot should pass him.
1: Yeah, he's only got five points away from from passing Sid Crosby. So I mean, you're you're looking deep into the record books now. Stuff that hasn't happened in over a decade. Um, You know, it, it's – I mean, they are so solid and, and, and such an explosive team. This is their 15th regular season win, um, straight regular season win over Detroit. That's the most, by the way, that the Lightning has ever won against any single team. I mean, they own the Detroit Red, Red Wings right now.
0: They do. And this was their 25th road victory, which tied a franchise record they set last year. Their 54th and a overall victory. franchise record for wins. Which they yeah. tied from last season. Um, they have 54 right. wins this season. Do you realize 19 of them, the opponent scored first?
1: I mean, that, and that says it all. That really does. Like, the poise More than a third of their wins. Has, yeah. They don't panic. Then why would you? And I didn't think, look, I didn't think that Andre Vasilevsky played his best game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now, he made enough great saves to keep them alive. When you're down 3-0, it could have been you know, 4-0, or 4-1, or 5-0. Um, so he, he wasn't like, you know, he still, I think he made 23, 24, 25 saves. But, and some of them were very, very good ones. But it wasn't his best game. It wasn't the defense's best game. And and yet, it, it it's all about their ability to know what they have to do to win. And the confidence and sort of the, um, the determination that these guys have. Their ability to sort of put it into another gear. That's, that's what really separates, you know, sort of historic teams or historically great teams is that you think you got them, right? I mean, at, well, what, at what point did Detroit fans say, oh, we got these guys tonight. You know, we got them. It's 3-0. Oh, it's going in the third period. It's 3-1. We got them. You know, we just can't make any bad mistake. And then boom, boom, boom. Four goals in the third period, and the next thing you know, you're looking up and, and you've lost the game. I mean, that – that is the mark of, of a super team, you know, when, when you don't have your best night and you certainly don't play, you know, your best hockey till the third period and then you're walking off there with a W. I mean, it just, I don't know how many, how many superlatives you can use and yet, you know, this would have been one to lose. Like, you know, they're on the road. It's another, you know, it's a second road game it's against a team that's not very good that they've owned. At some point, this streak is going to end. This seemed like this was going to be the night that it was going to happen. You know, there's really not a lot at stake for the Lightning. Um, they're they're close to clinching um, anyway. And then they still have the will and the skill to pull this off. And it just is so impressive to me. Um, and so now they they get, you know, travel home. And you want to talk about energy? How about the hype that's going to be in that building? How about the, the, the just the emotion that's going to be in that building Saturday night? I'll be there when the Lightning host the the Stanley Cup champion, Washington Capitals?
0: Yeah, Capitals team that's uh, won eight of their last ten games. They're uh, leading the Metropolitan Division. I still think that's the toughest opponent the Lightning have in the playoffs, in the Eastern Conference at least. Boston would be the next one. Uh, just the way the their team is, the type of game they play. Uh, I think their experience, of course, is going to, you know, helps Washington in the playoffs too. Uh, you know, so they've got, you know, three games against Washington in the next three weeks, so.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to watch that. I think like right now when they they would probably play. If, if, and again, the old proverbial if the season ended today, mm-hmm. they'd play Columbus, right? Would That's that be correct. Their first round, of Columbus play? and yeah.
0: Montreal are tied for the final wild card spot, but Columbus has a game in hand, so they have the tiebreaker at this point.
1: I mean, just an amazing, amazing uh, season for them and historic and. You know, they got it done. I mean, it's it was funny because at one point, you know, Stamkos ties LeCavier. And think about that record, too, by the way. I mean, Benny LeCavier, you know, was a stud mm-hmm. and, and and lifted the cup, right, and and took this team with him and Marty St. Louis, of course, and Javi Bull and all those guys in 04 and wins the Stanley Cup. Um, leaves here as the, the franchise all-time leading scorer. And for Stamkos, I mean, I wonder, you know, I don't know if they interviewed him after the game. I saw him after he scored. Of course, he had scored. He had actually tied him a couple games before, but it was wiped off for an offsides, I believe. Um, but he scores the goal, and then they interview him after the period. And <laughs> he could not be least interested in that. Like He was like, yeah, uh, I'm just trying to get us back in the game. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was, you know, really was like, oh, but you got a historic goal. You tie Vanilla Cavier. I'm sure when he thinks about it, but I was like, yeah, I just – you know, we're, they were trailing three to two at that point. I was trying to get us back. Isn't that what so, you want from
0: your captain, though?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he didn't care. Like, you know, he, he's got plenty of time to look back on the season and on his career, obviously. And he'll far, somebody will be chasing him for years to come because I don't think that Stamkos is anywhere close to the end of his career. Well, he's yet. got
0: five years left on his contract. So, after yeah. This so season.
1: if he plays that out, I mean, imagine the lead that he's going to have. I mean, he's only 29 um, right
0: now. It's not like he's, no, you know, he's, mid-30s. Nice, he's young. He's 29.
1: I mean, he's got a lot of hockey tread off his tires. I mean, you know, from a chronological standpoint, he's a very young man, but he did start at 19 in the NHL, so that's a lot of miles.
0: Mm-hmm. But I mean, but at 29, you still got many years to go.
1: I think so. And here's here's my question: like, is there a magic number in the NHL where you're like, if you score 500 goals, are you a Hall of Famer?
0: You know, that's a good question for Tom Jones.
1: Yeah. I've always heard, like, 500 is a big number, but not everybody needs to score 500. But, I mean, you know, I mean, he's at the point now where, you know, you have a franchise record, um, 383, right? So Mm -hmm. let's say he plays another, I don't know, if he's 28, plays till he's 35 maybe, you think? Seven more years, six more years? No, yeah, I I th-
0: yeah. I mean.
1: Let's say he plays so he's 35 and he averages, I don't know, could he average 30 goals for the next six years
0: or so? I don't, I mean, I think by the time you get to mid-30s, he may not be up at 30 goals a game or 30 yeah, season. Yeah, but
1: I mean, but he's at 383 now and he could finish the season with three, you know, three, let's say 385 or 388 or close to 390. You're only 110 goals away from the 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 500 mark. He might get that. You might get very close to it. Mm-hmm. The key is going to be: does he lift the cup? I think that's a big, that's a big deal. Obviously, not just for him, but for when you look. Yeah, I think him he, on the you know
0: he ends fame. up with five hundred goals. He's a captain of this team, and they lift at least one cup. I I can't imagine he wouldn't be a Hall of Famer.
1: Uh, he's certainly on that on that arc anyway. Um, so yeah, so the Lightning come home now, and they they play uh, the defending Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. I, I can't wait to be in that building. If you're going um you know it, it's going to be it's going to be lit as the kids say it's going to be a really really fun time so congratulations to them exciting game uh something that was fun to watch even on tv but um not so fun for a detroit fan though they got to be sick of the lightning man yes and <laughs> if you're keeping
0: tabs eat. the lightning are still two points behind the 95 96 red wings through 71 games
1: yeah but but could catch them absolutely you know? I mean
0: that's the record. I think they got to win ten 62. of the last
1: twelve is what they had to do, I believe.
0: Yeah, well, so to um, get to sixty-two wins, you need to win eight of your next eleven now. So to get to one thirty-one, the Lightning need nineteen more points in eleven games. So if you say eight of those are wins at sixteen, you'd have to lose the other three, and you need to win at least nine of the next eleven, and then still lose one in overtime.
1: Yeah, that's tough. I mean that, that you know that's above even their pace, but but look. The kind of season they had. And, you know, it was an interesting story. I think John Romano wrote it in the Tampa Bay Times. Or maybe – no, it was Martin Fenley. I apologize. Um, about how, you know, the goal cannot be trying to, to tie Detroit, right, mm-hmm. and, and get mm-hmm. 63 wins. And, and I think Cooper said, you know, if we get to 59, we'll probably think about it, you know. But you don't want to expend all this energy focused on some singular record that at the end of the day isn't going to help you get closer to the Stanley Cup – but it does sort of define what's been a magical season. So, I mean, at some point they'll they'll go for it if they have that shot, obviously. But they'd have to play really, really, you know, even even more outstanding than they have during the season in terms of uh, a win percentage to get there. So, well, I think tonight's um,
0: game shows you anything is that they don't give up. That they're they're just no, they're never. out there to win every game. And it, every you know, single game. If, they, if yeah. they lose the game, but they they played a good game and the, the process was good and just pucks didn't go in, okay, they're fine with it. Yeah. But yep. that they're out to win every game, not as a set of record. It's we're a good it's hockey team. We're going out that's to win standard. every game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you could see the frustration that they had and the fact that they didn't feel like they played very well. And that's why, you know, that third period was so big. And um, they they just felt like, you know what? It's winning time, and they did what, what they had to do. They scored four goals in the third. Um, again, just explosive, explosive offense, and um, not, not the best night for Vasilevsky, but he gets the win. And so, I mean, th- if you're not enjoying this year as a Lightning fan, folks, I feel sorry for you because you're not going to see many teams that are accomplishing what they are. And we'll see if they make it, you know, all the way to Stanley Cup and win. Certainly that's the expectation when you have this kind of year. No reason to think they can't continue this in the postseason. It's just a matter of doing it. But because they because they've been so dominant and they've lapped the field, so to speak, this seems like the longest regular season in the history of
0: hockey. Yeah. Well, Boston lost. Boston lost in regulation on right. Thursday night. So the Lightning's magic number is four to clinch the Eastern mm. Conference. Wow. So Saturday, Boston's playing, and the Lightning are playing Capitals. That could be it. You could clinch it Saturday. On yeah. March 16th, you could clinch the Eastern Conference.
1: That's remarkable. Really remarkable.
0: Now, the magic number for the, the President's Trophy, I believe, is it was nine going in the game, so it's seven. San Jose is playing tonight. Um, as we record this podcast, I think they're just getting underway. Yeah. So if they lose that, then that number would be five. Although it might year. be six because I think Calgary at that point might have the better shot, but, but still low number.
1: It's incredible, man. And, and, you know, like I said, you got to cap it off with the Stanley cup when you have this kind of a special year, but it, it really has been fun to watch. Okay. So I was at one buck place and uh, had a chance to uh, meet a couple of their newest free agents signings. And again, you know, we talked about this the other night that this is not going to be that year where the Bucks win the offseason. I think that title's been given to the Cleveland Browns already or the Oakland Raiders. And it's also not going to be a year where you get a lot of necessarily big-name free agents, you know, guys that are going to sign, you know, for four or five years that everybody knows. Um, I think their biggest acquisitions are probably going to come maybe even sort of that secondary blast of free agency after the draft because when teams draft certain players, they're going to have a surplus at different positions, and they're going to start to see some guys released at, at better bargain prices than we're out there now, obviously. But having said that, the the thing about the off season, I've always said this about free agency in general, and it's nice to make splash signings, and and the Bucks have certainly done that in the past with Deshaun Jackson and um, you know some of the guys they've brought in here. But it doesn't guarantee you anything either. And the thing about building a roster at this time of year, you should always sort of approach it this way in that if we got to play on Sunday, who are we throwing it? Who are we going out there with? Before you draft any players, you know, just if we got to play, can we line up and play and be a competitive football team? Do we have enough guys that are not rookies that they can go in there and win a game? And I think it's sort of, it's, you know, building a roster, as I wrote uh, today, it's a little bit of a puzzle that you got to solve. And you got to fit these pieces in, right? So if you think about it, so they lose Deshaun Sean Jackson. They, when I say lose, they, they decided that they wanted to move on from him, and they trade him to the Philadelphia Eagles, right? And they basically just swap draft picks. It's, it's really um, kind of an even deal. You know, Philly's sixth this year. The Bucks trade their seventh next year, that sort of thing. Uh, and that's more of a favor, I think, from Howie Roseman, who was was in Jason Light's wedding than anything else. But aside from that, um, you know, so you lose Deshaun Jackson. So now you need what do you need? You need a speed receiver. You need somebody who can take the top off of defense. I mean, Mike Evans is a guy that can get deep, but he's a strider. He's not somebody that you're going to run a lot of, you know, uh, nine routes or fly routes or whatever you want to call them um, just to to make the safety go with you and uh, create some space underneath. You need speed. So what do they do? They go out and they signed a receiver like the Browns' free agent, uh, Brashad Perriman, who was about to return to Cleveland until they went out and got Odell Beckham Jr. And so that made the decision a little bit easier for him, and, and it certainly made it easier for the Browns. Now, we had a chance to talk to Perriman, who, who uh, you know, look, he's happy to be back in Florida. I mean, this is where he starred at UCF. He was a first-round draft pick believe it or not by the Baltimore Ravens but then he ran into just a slew of injuries you know and and I've always said this about guys that can really run like that I I found them to to be for the most part very often prone to injury uh, I don't know why that is uh, it's sort of like it's a it's like a uh, imported sports car it looks really good it runs really fast but if you have the slightest thing that's wrong with it mechanically Um, you're going to pay a lot of money at the shop. And that's sort of the way I feel about some of these speed receivers. Um, And this seems to be the case here. But so he's coming off, you know, he's coming off like a series of injuries. He did play a nice second half for the Cleveland Browns last year. I think he's excited to be back in Florida, first and foremost. He's got a lot of family in Central Florida. They'll have a chance to to watch him play. But, you know, he signed a one-year deal. So I don't think anyone should get crazy about – What is Brashad Perriman going to bring? Is he a slot receiver? Is he the new Adam Humphreys? I don't know that he's that. In fact, um, he's been a disappointment, to be honest with you, for a guy that was taken in the first round uh, by the Ravens when he got up there. Aside from the injuries when he did play, uh, he had some trouble catching the football. And sometimes that's the case with rookies, and sometimes maybe the guy doesn't have the greatest of hands. as that replacement for a guy like Adam Humphreys, I do see him as a speed guy that Bruce Arians has had success with in the past. You know, you can run. um, We're going to put you in, you know, this offense. We're going to create space for guys underneath, what have you. And and Bruce is, you know, he's had some success with that. But um, I I don't know what really the expectations should be necessarily. This is not... You know, they could still draft a guy for sure. This does not eliminate um, their ability to add more receivers. Um, but Perriman is excited to be back. He's, he, you know, coming home to Florida is a big thing for him. He's really excited to play with Jameis Winston, who he met over there at One Buck Place um, before we talked to him. So, you know, all, all of that is good for, uh, for Brashard.
0: Crazy,
2: uh, what, last 48 hours for you? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's been a It's been pretty wild but just glad to be here, glad to be a part of this um, amazing organization and, you know, ready to get to work.
0: Can you just take us through kind of what happened there? I know you originally were signed with Cleveland or you had agreed to terms with Cleveland and then mm-hmm. now you're here.
2: Yeah, um, you know, basically they just made a decision that uh, they thought that was best for them. And, you know, I had to make a decision that I thought was best for me. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I'm just glad to be here. Um, it's a total blessing just to be in front of you guys and um, a part of this organization.
0: When you saw that OBJ was traded to the Browns, did you kind of see the writing on the wall?
2: Uh, I don't. I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I never really, I didn't really have to think about it too much. Like, um, once my agent called me about it, and you know, we just looked more into everything that was going on. We just felt like it was best to come here.
0: Was and it I, more on the Browns' side or your side deciding to? to it was. It
2: was it. a mutual agreement. You know, we both both said that you know it would be best for my career and my future to, you know, just basically part ways.
1: Have you talked to the Bucks before you decided on the Browns? Have they reached out to you initially?
2: Yeah, yeah they have been. We've been, in converse, we've been conversating with them for for a while now. And, um, yeah, so they always been, you know, one of the guys at the top of my list. What
1: do you think of the opportunity here for you um, with your ability to stretch the field and, and mixing with the receivers they already
2: have? It's a huge opportunity, you know, just being here, just being able to play with, James and mike and uh it's a huge opportunity um that i think i'm ready to feel and you know just ready to get started ready to get to work and you know meet my new teammates you're
0: a florida guy too like James. did you guys have a previous
2: relationship yeah well i know you know me and james came out the same year so i know him during the whole draft process you know we um we kind of got cool during that process too so just to be back with him and you know i know he has a great person me. Uh, personality and confidence is crazy. So, just to be back with him, uh, it means everything.
0: Can you take us through that journey for you? Because I remember, you know, uh, coming out of UCF, that monster pro day and everything. And then I know you dealt with some injuries after that. Can you just kind of take us through what this whole NFL experience has been like? to been like for you up until this point.
2: Uh, it's been it's been a little rocky. You know, started off with some injuries, and um, you know had to really fight through a, whole, a a ton of injuries actually. But, you know, at the end of the day I'm just happy. I'm just so blessed, you know, to be able to turn my turn my career around and um looking forward to just keep building out. How
0: happy
1: is dad that you get to be in the in home in the home
2: state? Everybody's everybody's just very happy. Um, I hear so much from all of my family members just how um proud they are of me and how happy that they are of me being back home. So uh, it makes me feel even better about my decision.
1: You're shot on the, on the are there things you're doing differently to to keep yourself better insulated against the, the chance of injuries happening again?
2: Just basically, just really just getting stronger. You know, getting in the weight room and just basically beat my body up, like not in a not in a bad way, but like everything that I think that I'm gonna do in the season, like all of the running, I'm just trying to do it on a basically a way higher level so that my body just get accustomed to it.
0: For a vertical guy like you, and you line up on the outside, you know there is the risk of injury and everything. At
2: any point in time, do you feel like you have to monitor your your snap count or anything like that? No, never. <laughs> no, that's never been on my mind. Um, that's not how I like to operate. Like I like to be out there every single play if I can. Um, you know, I want to get the work in because you know most of the time once you put in the work, good things are gonna happen. So that's it's never been a thought of mine or nothing I ever want to do.
1: Did you look at the, you know, Bruce's history of the offensive play caller? his offense, like, gets five guys out a lot, uh, throws the ball a good amount. Is that, was that enticing to you
2: at all? Yeah, it's definitely exciting, man. It's, that's that's a huge part of this whole process. And I just know the the you know, amount of deep shots that he'd like to take down the field. So it's going to be exciting, man. I just can't wait.
0: What did the second half of last season do for your confidence just to get back and click and kind of perform
2: it definitely boosted my confidence, you know, basically just gave me that extra push that, um, you know, and being healthy, you know, it also gave me that extra push and just made me realize, you know, that everything that I went through was for a reason and um, that I still got all the ability that everybody thought I had when I first came out and, you know, just ready to keep putting it together and keep growing from there. The front
0: officer, did you know that at all from, from coming out in terms of the draft process? Did they look at you much in 15 when you came out?
2: I think when I was coming out, yeah, I think I did speak to them a few times. Um, I think I had a meeting with their old receiver coach back then in 2015. But yeah, <laughs> a couple receiver coaches. Yeah. What,
1: what do you what do you best? What's your best action, do
2: you think? I just feel like I just have big play ability, you know, um, that's really my main focus. You know, I try to make every play, no matter if it's big or small. But at the same time, I just feel like I can stretch the field vertically and, you know, I can make small place turn in the big place.
1: well living here, will you be the guy that will spend the offseason uh, you know, working with Jameis as much as you're allowed to?
2: And- yeah, definitely. Definitely. We, we definitely gonna, I definitely got to talk to him about that, you know, especially with him being a native as well. It's, it should click just perfect, and we should be able to, um, you know, put in as much work as we need to as we want to.
0: You talk about your skill set you have as a big play guy. How exciting is it to play with a guy like Jameis who has such a big arm?
2: Yeah, man. That's. It's everything for me. Like I'm, I'm just getting excited, just talking about it. Um, I know Jameis' arm is, his arm is just incredible, and you know, just me and Tampa Bay, the organization, just allowing me to be able to have that opportunity to play under him, and you know, get the chances to make these big plays under Jameis is just crazy. Has he reached out to you at all, or called you, or you had a chance to talk to him? yet? Yeah, we talked, and I just talked to him actually a few minutes ago in the oh, cafeteria. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. What was that meeting like? Right? It was great, man. You know, it was. Just, Kind of like a little reunion. Yeah.
1: So it was it was all great. Now the other the other piece of the puzzle that the Bucks are trying to put together here, of course, is special teams, right? So we know about the curse of Matt Bryant and all of that. And Matt Bryant is available. And I mean this was the thing, you know, when when he was when the news came out, they were not going to pick up his option or what have you, and that he was going to become a free agent. Everybody, you know, decided, sort of, or speculated that Bryant could be coming here because the Bucks have the Atlanta Falcons' special teams coach. Bryant loves the Tampa Bay area. He loved kicking for the Bucks. Uh, the problem is his age and the fact that he's had some injuries. And I think, you know, I think Tampa Bay was a little leery of, of both of that in some respects. And so, you know, they decided to re-sign Cairo Santos, who did a, a pretty good job, I think, and you know, sort of stepping in for Chandler Zero who completely flamed out he was their big signing uh, prior to last season and and didn't get it done so Cairo comes in here who had been hurt he's kicked a lot in, in his career and, and did a pretty credible job I mean I think I don't know he was like 12 or 14 field goal attempts something like that um made all but maybe one of his extra points so they they thought he was solid you know they thought you know this guy is uh, is pretty solid what he doesn't do however is He's not a great kickoff guy. Santos doesn't have the strongest of legs in terms of kickoffs, which is a, a separate art. So, gee, wouldn't it be nice if the Bucks had someone else, as Atlanta has done and, and other teams has have done, that, that could also kick off? Well, they found that guy. They found the punter, Bradley Pinion, who is a free agent from San Francisco. Played against the Bucks in Raymond James Stadium last year and did pretty well. I think he averaged like 43-3 on six punts. San Francisco obviously punted a lot that day. But he's familiar with the stadium, loves the area, loves the fact that he's coming back to the East Coast. He went to Clemson. He's one of those guys that knows Zaro and um, Adam Humphreys. Of course, both those guys have moved on. But he's, he's grateful to be back in the South where his wife is from in South Carolina where they live in the offseason. season. So he was pretty pumped, man. I mean, look, I don't know what you think about punters. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, it's the old adage, like, if every possession ends with a kick, you're probably okay.
0: What does Rich Eisen say? Punters are k- people too?
1: They're people <laughs> too, right. And if you think about it, like, every possession or most every possession, is is going to start or finish with a punt, depending on what your perspective is um, or a field goal or something like that. So, uh, look, this is a guy, I think he's here primarily for a couple reasons the fit is right. So you have a you have a punter who can kick off. And that fits because Santos, that's not a strong suit. So if Cairo's not worried about kicking off, right? And he's not having to practice it during the week and wear out his leg. Like, I talked to Martin Grammatic and you know back in the day they didn't use the jugs machines as much as they do now to simulate kickoffs and things like that. No, the kicker was brought over and he just had to sit there and and keep hammering them, and it affects your leg after a while. You start to get fatigue, and you know it's it's not an easy thing to do. But but I I think that they feel good about having a guy that can take the pressure off their place kicker, who can now just focus on field goals. And you know he's he's pretty good, pretty consistent about knocking it through the end zone. Um, and and he's happy to be back on the East Coast, you know, close to South Carolina, of course, where he lives in the off season. So. They save some money. I'm guessing I haven't seen the contract yet, but you know, obviously Brian Anger made three million dollars a year. Uh, this is a younger player. This is somebody they could have for a number of years. So look, special teams. When you're talking about kickers, especially uh, in this case, a punter is always going to be an adventure for the Bucks. I don't know why, but it seems to be. So I think this guy. I think this guy checks all the boxes. You know, again, is he going to be as good as Brian Anger? I don't know, but he's he's a, he's a, probably a little cheaper than Brian was, and, I, you know, the arc of his career is really, really good. So, they get their special teams guy, um, they get their wide receiver, uh, we'll, we'll talk to more of their free agents, I'm sure, as the weeks go on, but that's basically it. I mean, you know, the, the big push that we saw at the start of the signing period sort of came and went, you know, and... Uh, There's still some names out there. I mean, you know, Eric Berry was released by the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a safety. I'm not saying they're going to bring him in, but there are guys that are constantly being released. And there'll be another wave of free agency once we get past the draft because say you're a team that, uh, you know, decides to be the best player staring at you when you pick, you know, is a uh, defensive lineman and you've got tons of defensive linemen. You might see – somebody who's not a free agent right now, get cut because they plan on playing the rookie. It just depends on how the draft falls, and there's going to be the secondary free agency that I think the Bucks want to be able to take advantage of. So nothing sexy so far. Every other team seems to be doing a little better job, but you really don't know until they start playing for real, and I wouldn't get too crazy about it one way or the other, but it was nice meeting those guys. And, you know, the thing is about uh, Perriman is – in Baltimore, he really, he had, he had big troubles. I mean, he, he struggled. I was talking to Edward Eduardo Encina who helps me cover the beat for the Tampa Bay times. And he goes, Oh man, (laughs) he goes, this guy is not good. And I go, really? He goes, well, he says, you know, he can run. He's fast. He said, but he's hurt all the time. And he dropped a lot of balls, which is not necessarily an endorsement for Jameis Winston, who struggles throwing a deep ball to begin with. So We'll see how he fits in, but um, it was interesting to meet those guys, and, and I still think that the Bucks, uh, probably with around you know ten million dollars in salary cap or so, um, at least right now, maybe thirteen, they're they're going to do some things before this is over. The other news is that Bo Allen, one their defensive tackle who they got as a free agent last year as part of the defensive line rebuild, um, he's had his contract restructured. And he took a bit of a haircut of, 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 of to the tune of one million dollars. Now they're, I think they're going to guarantee him something on the back end that wasn't guaranteed. So it's not it's not all bad for him. Um, but you're starting to see the Bucks get creative in trying to create some salary cap room, and you wonder about guys like Gerald McCoy, and you know you wonder about re- just restructuring contracts like the one Mike Evans has. So you could see some of that you know come into play. In the days and the weeks ahead. So, by the way, did not you a see very... Drew
0: Brees' restructure contract?
1: I did. I did.
0: And it's you know I... he's done this several times, but you know if he'll play this season, but next season, whether he plays or not,
1: it's insane.
0: They have twenty one point nine million dollars in dead cap money on him next year
1: because he's just he's done this so many times that he, they keep pushing it back. And you know, look, I heard last year from some uh, people in the NFC South that New Orleans was all in. Chips to the middle of the table were going for it. And you could kind of see that with some of the moves that they made um, and, you know, quite frankly, should have gone to the Super Bowl if not for just, you know, a horrendous call. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think they're close, but I think they're loading up. I think this is sort of an all-in proposition. They're going to lose some players this year, but what do they care? I mean, Drew Brees is still getting his money. This is an accounting procedure. You know, if he were to win it, I'm telling you, if he were to win a Super Bowl this year, I'd expect he would quit. I really do. And I, I thought, I thought they, they would. I thought
0: him and Peyton both could do that this year had they won.
1: They, and I think they would have. And I'll say this about about Sean Peyton. I don't trust that the guy's going to stay in New Orleans, you know, regardless of mm-hmm. whether they win. I think he has his eyes on the Dallas Cowboys. I think Jason Garrett, if they don't make the postseason, could get fired. And the day that Drew Brees decides he's hanging it up is the day that You know, Sean Payton's going to want to be with some other quarterback, so they're they're sort of a package deal in a way. Very interesting what's going on with the Saints and and of course Drew Brees uh, pushing that, you know, or I'm sorry, with uh, yeah pushing that money around so that they can sign some free agents. All right, so finally, happy trails to the uh, South Florida men's basketball uh, team, at least as far as their conference tournament goes, and probably the NCAA tournament. They lose to UConn in the uh, American Athletic Conference tournament. You know, never really in this game, Steve. I mean, they fell behind quickly, and then it just kind of got worse, you know. Uh, It just, it's unfortunate because they've had such a great season overall. Um, Had a chance to get 20 wins during the regular season, fell just short of that. Uh, I'm sure they were hopeful that they could get 20 by at least winning a game in the uh, AAC tournament, but it wasn't to be. But you know what? South Florida's got nothing to hang their head about. The kind of season. who, in their right mind, expected them to come close to twenty wins this year. Show of hands. No, put them down. You did not. You did not predict it. <laughs> There's no one in this audience predicted. No, I think US you predicted wins. them
0: to lose a hundred games. Like the oh wait, not quite that many. <laughs> like the Rays, but
1: if they played a hundred, they might have lost a hundred. That's what I thought. I mean, they've been on these six to ten win, you know, arc in a, for a long time mm-hmm. here. I'm impressed, and I don't. Look, you can show me who they beat. I know that they struggled down the stretch and all of that. I think they've done a remarkable job, and this is a core of guys that could stick together for a while. I mean, this, you know, this is not North Carolina or Duke where you get a bunch of one-and-donners. So I, I just thought they had a terrific season. It's unfortunate they lost to UConn, but what Look, can UCon- say about- was, you
0: say about UConn was unconscious in the first half. They hit nine three-pointers in the first half, took a 37-19 lead into the break.
2: UConn yeah, chipped
0: away, or uh, USF chipped away at it, made it respectable. They lost 80-73. to 73. That is respectable, yeah. Uh, but, you know, you, I mean, LaQuincy Redow, their point guard for USF, is not healthy. He, well, wasn't he played, right. yeah. but, you know, he wasn't 100%. You could see that. But their defense in the first half left a lot to be desired. They, they were not, a lot of those three-pointers that UConn hit, and, you know, the nine of them were wide-open shots. Is that USF yeah. was not playing characteristic their are characteristically good defense that they do play, for whatever yeah. you know for whatever reason whether it's you know injury they just turn them in the bright or whatever, lights yeah. or you know yeah. uh, you know don't know why but they did not play very good defense the first half dug themselves a hole too big to come out of but but still a good yeah. season probably not going to go to the NIT they'll probably get uh, invited to the CBI the College Basketball Invitational.
1: I completely forgot about these tournaments. You know, a- after the NIT, it's just like I, you know, I forget about them. But it's a it's a big well, thing. Well, next for the week program. we'll be doing our
0: bracketology for CBI. So,
1: oh <laughs> well, good, how many teams are in this tournament? Next, it, I
0: mean, it's good. It's good for the for the uh,
1: for the program because mm-hmm. you're talking about extra practice time. Um, you're talking about the experience of playing in a tournament someplace. Mm-hmm. May not be the NCAA's, but it sort of sort of a, is a good measuring stick. I think. And you'd much rather, you know, be able to do that, I would imagine.
0: Sure. And if you go on to win a few games in the tournament or even win the tournament, even better for confidence and, you know, everything moving forward.
1: That's right. So nothing to hang their heads about. Um, I didn't expect them to win the tournament per se, but from where they came from, a pretty remarkable year and still with a chance to win their, uh, you know, win their 20th game, which I think is a nice round number if they could get that. They would really – uh, sort of appreciate that. So the Rays uh, continue, of course, with spring training. They had a, a split squad game. They lost to the Phillies 4-3. to three. So, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. These games don't count, obviously. So we've got the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to host, of course, the Washington Capitals, and that game is on Saturday. I will be there. Busy weekend in sports. We'll bring it all to you on Monday at Sports Day Tampa Bay. And remember now, if you have a business or you'd like to sponsor this podcast, our advertisers, again, are having great success. And we've got a lot of different options that you can do now, which is new, that you can help uh, sponsor us. We really appreciate it. Uh, and your business will do very, very well. So contact us for more details on Twitter at SportsdayTB. My Twitter handle is uh, at NFL Stroud or my email address, uh, rstroud at tampabay.com. We'd love to have you be part of the team. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will talk to you on Monday.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.